1: Here's Brian Weber. Hey, it's another hour of the program. A distinct honor to be keeping the chair warm for Rich and the fellas live on this holiday. How can I demonstrate we're live? 35, 36, I could have done that on tape. I can give you a scoring update from Detroit as the first quarter is almost done. Lions and Packers, that's coming up. I'll give you the particulars as we jump into the second hour of the program, spent the majority of hour number one talking about reasons to believe the Lions are for real, in addition to getting off to their best start since 1962 with a glittering mark of 8-2, and two, despite questions about their defense as of late. Coming up, we'll tackle the late game in today's Triple header, talking Niners and Seahawks, always a great scene, especially under the lights in Seattle, and then in 20 minutes, because we're going to see Ron Rivera in the second game with Washington scuffling after losing to the immortal Tommy DeVito on Sunday, and Dallas virtually unstoppable at home. We'll talk about Washington and Dallas from the game perspective an hour from now to start the final hour of the program. We'll talk about Ron Rivera's future and other head coaches who should be glancing over their shoulder nothing says a holiday festive mood like who's getting fired in the nfl that's coming up in 20 minutes we'll get back to the college football in 40 minutes looking forward to checking in with an insightful writer for the the athletic it's chris vanini we'll talk michigan ohio state beyond what we already addressed in the first hour of the show and we'll run through scenarios to whittle down the teams with a realistic chance of making it to the college football playoff. I mentioned that we're at the business end of the opening quarter in Detroit and a promising start for the Packers. A 14-6 lead with three minutes to go in the first quarter. And Jordan Love has been spectacular to start this matchup, completing eight of his first nine, a pair of touchdown tosses. The first one went to Jaden Reed to make it 7-0. Jaron Goff had the response, a seven-yard touchdown to Sam Laporta, but extra point, no good. 7-6 Packers with eight minutes to go in the first quarter. Packers marched down the field again, and it was Love back to the end zone. Nine-yard touchdown throw to Tucker Craft, 14-6 Packers in front. I'll keep you updated, although I can't go that fully in-depth because then you would just flip over to the game. I'm here to be counter-programming. I'm here to make sure, theoretically, you are entertained, certainly informed, right? If you've had a deal with me on a holiday before, filling in for Rich or any of the other shows, I'm very lucky to have an affiliation with. I will say, as a self-promoter, Carnival Barker, there's a lot of info being shoved into this three-hour audio extravaganza along the way now there's a lot of rambling as well but if you're listening closely there is substance as we make the move to the 49ers now we and rich is so smart in terms of coming up with ways of pushing out even more content we overreact to everything in the nfl hence the tremendous segment on this program, Overreaction Monday, which now is a standalone podcast as Brockman and Rich chop it up. We tend to overreact to the teams we care about far more than the teams that are going nowhere. So, for example, when we talk about coaches in trouble, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Carolina because it's self-evident. Frank Reich, hopefully leased a home, didn't buy a home, although with the money NFL head coaches are making, he's fine either way. But when you're one and nine and you play for a Wall Street Titan and David Tepper who wants results and he wants it now, Daddy, I want it oompa loompa and I want it now, you don't have a lot of job security. So we don't spend a ton of time talking about Carolina other than having to go through that grisly Thursday night game between Carolina and Chicago not too long ago. The teams that jump out from the standings command our attention and thus get stronger opinions and a degree of irrational responses. So it was, I think, a little bit too easy to say when San Francisco steamrolled Dallas to jump out to the 5-0 and start. Well, just hand them another Lombardi This is the best team, clearly, in all of football. Now, the argument I was making at that time, and if you're wondering who I am, I'm Brian Weber, in for rich, 844-204-7424. If you're enjoying this, I'll do it again on Christmas Day. If it's a holiday, I'm in for rich. Let me just recap. I was here Memorial Day. I was here July 4th. I was here Labor Day. I'm here Thanksgiving. I'm back Christmas. Do you see a pattern? I don't have a life, and my family doesn't like me. But not too long ago, when San Francisco was demolishing the opposition, namely Dallas, and coming up in the final hour of the program, we'll get back to that Dallas problem that just will not go away. How much do we care about what they do in the regular season if we know the predictable outcome in the playoffs? That's coming up in the final hour of the program. But the question I had about the 49ers came down to Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy, in many ways is whoever you want him to be. If you're a Purdy supporter, you say, this is the greatest football story ever told. Mr. Irrelevant, final pick in the draft. Now, for a while, till we had that reversal on Sunday Night Football with the Broncos coming alive, and I guess we all, because I was burying Denver, especially when they allowed Miami to hang 70 on them and better than 700 total yards. Talk about getting out the shovel and putting them six feet under. And Sean Payton was washed and Russell Wilson is done and everything's changed. But Josh Dobbs was in the running for among the greatest football stories we'd ever seen. Arizona doesn't want him. Kirk Cousins gets hurt, goes to Minnesota in the middle of the week, doesn't know his receivers' names. Forget about the offense. He doesn't know who he was throwing to. Engineers that win at Atlanta keeps it going. Looked like they were never going to lose again, other than what happened late in the game in Denver. But with a larger sample size, the Brock Purdy progression was among the most incredible things we had ever seen in NFL history. That said, if you were paying closer attention, and I'm going to be following the crowd that says a quarterback's. One loss record as a starter is irrelevant because if it was meaningful, Jimmy Garoppolo would be going to the Hall of Fame. But you can't undermine that Purdy was on the field for that wonderful surge at the end of last year before he got hurt in the NFC title game. Would have been fascinating to see what Purdy would have done on the road with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line facing that ferocious defense. I think we saw the answer. He got banged up in the blink of an eye. But Purdy certainly deserves credit for stepping in there with zero expectations, no reps as the third-string quarterback, and not falling apart. And then the strong start this year coming back from the injury. So we had two camps that had assembled. Brock Purdy, I heard this because years ago, as the luckiest broadcaster in the history of the business, I was very fortunate to go almost directly from college to a broadcasting TV job in the San Francisco Bay Area at a very young age. So I still have strong connections and ties to San Francisco. I had a few friends tell me when the Niners got off to the 5-0 start that Brock Purdy was the best quarterback the Niners had had since Steve Young. And I pushed back and said, did Jeff Garcia do anything for you? you want to go Alex Smith? Last I remember, Colin Kaepernick played in the Super Bowl. But that's the level of hype that was surrounding Purdy mania. And then everything changed. Now, it wasn't just on Purdy because the folks who wondered how much praise should be heaped on Brock had a pretty good argument. He's a high-end game manager. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in that system, because Kyle Shanahan, while he can't coach with a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, as I'm going for a cheap shot on a holiday, I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eyes, an 844-204-7424 is our phone number. You can get involved on social media. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs in less than 15 minutes. We're talking about coaches who might not be seeing... A lot of holiday cheer coming up. In fact, they might be handed a pink slip. We're talking hot seat situations across the NFL. And in a half hour from now, we return to college football. Getting you set for the game of the year between Michigan and Ohio State. We'll focus on the other rivalry matchups and put the playoff picture into focus with Chris Vanini, senior writer of The Athletic. Nobody has been better. At doing more with less at the quarterback position, especially in San Francisco, than Kyle Shanahan. This guy's one with C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins. I mean, if you want to talk about the more prestigious examples, he helped to transform Matt Ryan into an MVP. He got the most out of Garoppolo, but didn't work with Trey Lance. Still, I don't think that's all on... Shanahan, I think that's more a reflection of we didn't know who Lance was coming out of North Dakota State because he didn't play much football due to the COVID situation. So Purdy is polarizing. And when the Niners fell apart, there was a lot of, aha, this guy can't play. But that wasn't fair because I think we know the real fundamental reasons why San Francisco had that losing skid. And losing to Cleveland doesn't look as bad anymore. You talk about a phenomenal story. How in the world are the Browns doing this? And the answer is their defense, which we saw come into focus with the win over the 49ers, which was the Niners' first loss of the year because Miles Garrett is an absolute beast up front. But Cleveland overcoming the early season loss of Nick Chubb. However you view Deshaun Watson, he actually finally was starting to play well in that comeback win over the Ravens. Of course, the Ravens can't hold on to leads in high-leverage situations. Down goes Watson, loss for the year. You're going to a rookie, Dory Thomas-Robinson, and they still are finding a way. But the issue for San Francisco, when they had that dip in play, in my mind, was all a byproduct, or largely a byproduct, of the injuries. You can't tell me not having Debo Samuel... And Trent Williams up front and the couple players on defense is not going to make a difference. So the question for San Francisco really centers on what are they going to do in the postseason? And I'm not handing them the division, but we saw Seattle now revert to the mean a little bit with the Rams coming up with a win on Sunday sweeping their season series. I mentioned Geno Smith, less than 100%, although projected to start tonight with the elbow injury. San Francisco wins that division again. They host a playoff game, and then really comes down to seeding because you got the one-loss Eagles, three-loss 49ers. Detroit sitting on two losses, although they continue to have more issues since I last glanced at the monitor. Got another touchdown, Green Bay, this time, the Packer defense getting involved. Jared Goff looking for something to happen, threw the ball and it came loose. Scoop and a touchdown as it's 20 to 6. Packers on top. My goodness, with a minute left in the first quarter. So you can't put it all on the Detroit defense as the Packers defense just came up with a defensive touchdown. 27 yards, Jonathan Owens took it back the other way. So the Lions have a lot of work to do with plenty of time in front of them. But as we look around the NFC, who else do you truly believe in? And we're going to reserve judgment on the Cowboys until the final hour of the program. Remember, you win the division, you get the right to host the playoff game, and it's becoming an annual tradition now. Somebody's got to win the mediocre NFC South, and that's somebody currently – are the New Orleans Saints. And I do my best to be transparent. When I was last in this chair, I'm Brian Weber, in for rich eyes, in 844 204 7424. You could tweet at me, BW Weber, Weber with two B's. I had some frothy predictions. And when you get in the world of froth, there's bubbles and they could burst. Among the things I may or may not have told you, I may have said the Bears would be the most improved team in the NFL. Well, at least I had some logic there. If you're that terrible with an abysmal record, theoretically, there's nowhere to go but up. I was wrong. And I told you, Derek Carr was going to jumpstart his career in New Orleans, especially with his playmaking wide receivers. Swing and a miss, although maybe I can bail out if the Saints hang on to win that division, but... I was off the mark there. Still, they're in position to wrap up a division title, host a playoff game, and then we're getting into the funky wild cards. Oh, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention, Packers are still in the mix. Yeah, that extra wild card it changed everything. And with the Packers with a tremendous start on the road in Detroit at twenty to six, they win this game, they get to the five and six. They're in the hunt. But we're not really buying Seattle, nor are we buying. Minnesota, as much as I was singing the praises of Josh Dobbs. So I think objectively, he got three and a half teams in the NFC. And the half is Dallas. And I'm not just kicking Dallas because they've been down in the playoffs for three decades. I just have eyes and I have a functioning brain. And until, and we just saw in the regular season when they lost to the Niners, until Dallas can win a meaningful game on the road in a situation that has a lot of significance attached to it. I'm going to continue to give you the same opinion. It's the same old Cowboys. Now, I got to give them credit for not falling apart when Trayvon Diggs was lost for the year with the torn ACL. I thought that was going to be the death blow to the secondary. Not the case. You know, Micah Parsons and the other outstanding defensive players. And by the way, Dak is having quietly a very efficient year. But it's still Dak, and it's still Mike McCarthy. And this is a preview of what's coming up in the final hour of the program. That's why I'm going three and a half teams in the NFC, Dallas being the half. San Francisco, to me, the only question mark that's going to be crystallized in the playoffs is what does Brock Purdy do? Small sample size last year, remember, Niners matched up with the Cowboys. And Purdy was fine, but another Dallas situation in which they had absolutely no idea what to do in the closing seconds. It was a mirror image, except at a different stadium. Two years ago, it was Mike McCarthy calling Dak running up the middle as time ran out. And then he had a whole year to rectify that, and he came up with basically the swinging ladder play. But San Francisco wins. I just want to see more from Purdy in a game of that magnitude because, you know, McCaffrey's the most versatile running back in all of football. Kittle's putting up bigger numbers. Healthy Debo Samuel changes everything. And then a San Francisco defense that added Randy Gregory just because they can to augment, in my mind, the best front seven in all of football. Kansas City's really balling out on defense. I think it all comes down to what Purdy does in, say, a game with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, which he was unable to rise to the challenge of a year ago on the road in Philly because the Eagles physically broke him. Getting set for the start of the second quarter, it's all Packers on the road in Detroit. A 20-6 to start as the Lions are going to have to rally again last week. They put together a thrilling comeback win. Against another ancient rival beating the Bears. They're gonna have to replicate that performance today as it's been a brilliant start for Jordan Love. Nine to ten to start the game, hundred and thirty passing yards and a pair of touchdowns. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. In under twenty-five minutes, we talk college football with Chris Vanini of the Athletic Straight Ahead. Ron Rivera will be on the sideline in the second game of the triple header coming up today. Nothing says the holidays like exploring. Who could lose their jobs in the NFL? We will examine the coaches that could really, 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 really need to pick up the pace and grab a few more wins down the stretch to keep their jobs. That's coming up. Thanks for sharing part of your Thanksgiving with us. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show.
0: Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, O O O O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Helpful and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at OReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's OReillyAuto.com slash Eisen.
1: Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. Brian Weber with you in for Rich, and I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger, with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. It remains a strong start for the Packers on the road in Detroit with twelve minutes left in the first half. Packers on top, 20 to 6. Jordan Love, 9 of 10 to start the game, 130 passing yards, a pair of touchdowns in the air, the third score coming by way of the Packers' defense get involved, scoop and score off a fumble recovery, so the Lions going to have to rally at home today. Since we're talking NFL, reminder, you can stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app or by asking Alexa to open WWO Sports or on your Westwood One station's digital platform. So check out your local affiliate there. That's right. You can stream Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner. And Rich Eisen, all season long for free, and get in the zone with AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. I'm not trying to be the guy telling you, you know, holidays are rough. Let me explain how lonely and miserable I am. I'll connect it to pop culture because nobody comes up with the nexus of sports and entertainment better than rich think about his great interview recently with woo the nature boy rick flair new movie on netflix the killer directed by david fincher and if you know anything about fincher it's dark it's got strong stylistic themes and now i'm at the movie with b web that's another podcast you can check out wherever you get your podcast and the music is meaningful soundtrack to that film Is all about the Smiths. Nothing's going to get you in a good mood like listening to Morrissey on a holiday. So that was a long way of saying that I am not trying to zig when the world is zagging. It's Thanksgiving. Arguably, you want to do the Mount Rushmore of holidays? I'm not doing that bit. Arguably, the best holiday of them all. You have a great time. You get to eat a lot, and there's no gifting involved unless you have to show up at somebody's house with a bottle of wine. Don't be cheap. Spend five more dollars. I love Thanksgiving, so I'm not sitting here saying, you know what is the best content approach to lay out? Let's get negative. Let's talk about coaches who are going to lose their job. I have phenomenal respect for anybody who coaches in the NFL, and I have empathy for anybody who's in a precarious job situation. I work in the media. Not exactly a growth industry these days, okay? If you want to drill deeper on my current portfolio, I'm so lucky to fill in for Rich. I value the relationship. I listen and watch the show every day on the Roku channel. But we're in the audio sphere. There are some challenges there. And my other jobs involve college sports, namely the Pac-12 Conference. So not a lot of positivity these days, but you got to move forward, and that's the task at hand for a bunch of coaches who understandably don't have much job security. I mentioned Ron Rivera, and it's tough to come up with objective analysis because we're humans, because we filter things through our experiences. And Ron Rivera, every time I've been fortunate to interact with him, either as a guest on a talk show or twice in person, at NFL Combines, etc., has been nothing but gregarious, nothing but warm, generous with his time. Ron Rivera is a good human being. The problem is, he's got 26 wins, 41 losses during his run in Washington, just four wins this year. I mentioned, if you can lose to Tommy DeVito and send him back home to enjoy the chicken parm that his mom is cooking for him, you're in trouble. And the bigger issue for Ron Beyond that negative ledger is new ownership. Now, thankfully, it was the greatest gift the NFL had given us in a long time to finally end Dan Snyder's reign of terror. Negatively, though, for Ron, new owners who paid $6 billion, they're going to want to change the landscape of the franchise. They certainly have to change the internal culture. Would not be a surprise if Ron is pushed out. I mentioned Frank Reich. You're going to say, well, he just got there, right? What are you going to do to Frank? Two things. When you have the number one overall pick, you go all in to get Bryce Young, and you can see the massive gulf, small sample size, but to start their careers between the number one overall pick and Bryce Young, who I think all of our concerns, those of us who felt this way about his slight stature, he just looks diminutive out there, versus C.J. Stroud, who looks like he's been in the league for a decade. Now, I know CJ's had the turnover issue. In each of the last two weeks, three giveaways in each of those games. Still, the Texans found a way to win both those games, most notably on the road in Cincinnati before the Joe Burrow injury. If you're the Panthers and you believed your brain's trust, and according to reports, it was the owner, David Tepper, who really fell in love with Price Young. Okay, there's an emotional investment there. And Tepper notorious for having a short attention span he wants results and he wants them yesterday he's gonna be looking for a fall guy and I think the obvious fall guy is Frank Reich does Matt Eberflus survive I hope so just because I enjoy saying the name Eberflus you think about a weird year in Chicago and all of the drama between Justin Fields and the coaching staff, when Justin went public, when asked what were the limitations to his game, with the notion that they're trying to give him too much to think about, and he came up with the description of robotic. You already lose your defensive coordinator with allegations the FBI was checking out his home. There's a lot going on in Chicago. And your Chicago team, remember, that's going to have the most draft capital coming up next spring. Because they made the deal with Carolina. So they own Carolina's pick. They're on track to have the number 1 overall pick. And because the Bears have been flat-out garbage this year, as much as I told you they might be the most improved team in all of football, they're going to have their own high-draft pick. So do you stick with Iberflus, or do you go out and get the new rock star coordinator? It should not be Lincoln Riley. And Lincoln's doing his best now because I think he realizes there's no NFL interest to say no. He had a conversation with The Athletic that was published yesterday, which will allow me to let you be reminded that we're going to talk college football. Chris Vanini of The Athletic in less than 10 minutes. Lincoln Riley has been exposed in grand fashion at USC. If you can't figure out a way to fix that defense along with Making sure that Caleb Williams acts like an adult, and I know it's going to sound again like I'm being contradictory because I want student-athletes, and they are at some schools, and I'm in that space, so I'm careful with my terminology. I want 18- to 22-year-olds to have the opportunity to grow up, but Caleb Williams, as the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, as a multimillionaire with NIL cannot duck his media obligations as frequently as he's done it this year. And some of that's on Lincoln Riley. Lincoln's got to pull him aside and say, Caleb, I know it hurts to lose again, especially to UCLA. Go out there, say nothing. It'll be over in seven minutes. The optics are terrible to allow him not to go out and go through part of the responsibilities of being – a future NFL quarterback. We go to college to learn a skill set in addition to general learning, but to learn a skill set that's going to help us professionally. And for Williams not to go out there and maybe I'm being too media centric. I just thought the optics were challenging. What do we do with Brandon Staley? I think the answer is we say goodbye. Now Staley trying to be John Wayne. Love that press conference, right? Don't ask me again about the defense. Well, Unfortunately for Brandon, he's got more issues because Joey Bosa got hurt in that terrible loss to the Packers, although looking better now that the Packers are maintaining that 20-6 lead in Detroit with nine minutes to go in the first half. I'll keep you posted. But Staley should never have been allowed to come back after presiding over that horrendous playoff loss last year in Jacksonville. You want to go back to the year before when the best outcome undeniably was a tie against the Raiders on Sunday night football. Both teams would have gone to the playoffs and Staley screwed it up because he's a slave to analytics because he, and I think he's a bright guy, but he's decided to turn off his brain and not allow any common sense to be part of the decision making matrix. He just recklessly goes for it every single time. And If you have any credentials as Brandon Staley, it's the defensive side of the football. He got the job because he coached defense for Sean McVay. Well, how do you have that kind of defensive lapse that we saw again against the Packers last week? Over and over and over again, Staley's got to be held accountable. And then what about this? Want to connect some dots? Bill Belichick will be moving on, whether it's mutual or... They spin it that way because Robert Kraft, I think, has realized at the age of 82, he's got to bring his franchise into the new millennium. They're stuck in the past. That means say goodbye to Belichick. How about Belichick to the Chargers to fix the defense? If he's got any skills left, and again, I know he's got the six rings, but he has done nothing as a GM. Hard to critique him, though, as a defensive strategist. Belichick comes in to fix the defense. You keep Kellen Moore to run the offense, and he gets an opportunity to coach Justin Herbert. That seems like a very logical outcome. Update from Detroit. Nothing has changed in the first of three NFL games on this Thanksgiving Day. The Packers dictating the terms with eight minutes ago in the first half. A 20-6 lead over the Lions. Pair of touchdown passes for Jordan Love. Jared Goff has a touchdown pass, the third score for the Packers coming on a defensive TD scoop and score of a fumble. You're all caught up. Coming up, we shift our attention to the college game. Could an undefeated Power 5 champion be left out of the playoff this year? Looking forward to checking in with Chris Fanini, senior writer for The Athletic. I'm Brian Weber, always having a good time with you. We're live on this Thanksgiving. I'm in for Rich Eisen on The Rich Eisen Show. Brian Weber back with you. We're live on this Thanksgiving day. In for Rich Eisen, 844-204-7424, the number of the call. You can hit me up on social media, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. NFL scoreboard update from Detroit. Packers have added a field goal and up their lead now to 23-6 over the Lions with five minutes to go in the first half. I will keep you updated. Now let's talk some college football getting set for An absolutely outstanding weekend filled with action across the nation. And pleased to be joined now by Chris Vanini, senior writer for The Athletic. Chris, I greatly enjoy your work. And if I do a good job with clock management, I'm going to leave time hopefully for a wrestling thought or two at the end. Although, I'm older than my voice would indicate. I go back to the Bob Backlund era. That was the start of my fandom.
2: (laughs) Sounds good. It's a loaded weekend of football and, yes, some professional wrestling and we Saturday can, night. We can
1: talk about Jim Crockett promotions back in the day, running the Omni on Thanksgiving night. We'll get there coming up. Got to start in Ann Arbor, and I was laying out the big picture themes about Michigan and Ohio State implications, the Harbaugh future conversation, but I think a, a good portion of the audience would actually want to know about the football game itself, so... Do you put any stock into what happened in the second half last week of Michigan's matchup in Maryland as the Terps came back to make that interesting? Does that have any meaning for what's going to happen on Saturday? And ultimately, what do you think the game may come down to?
2: Well, you know, we haven't seen Michigan really put teams away the last couple of weeks, Penn State and Maryland. Both of those games, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, has not put up very good numbers. He hasn't really been asked to either. So the question is, Can Ohio State stop the Michigan run and force J.J. McCarthy to try to win this game with his arm? A year ago, McCarthy was able to get a couple of big plays in the pass game. It was a key part of Michigan winning that game. So can Ohio State force Michigan to throw the ball and can Michigan do that? And then can Ohio State run the ball? Travion Henderson, the running back, has been very good since coming back. And Ohio State's going to need to do that because I don't know, similarly, if this is a game you can put on Kyle McCord, the quarterback, to try to win the game. It's going to be low scoring, a lot of running the ball, I think.
1: As we've seen over the years when Michigan and Ohio State get together, I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen, spotlighting college football with Chris Vanini. Check out his great work for the Athletic. Ryan Day has a ridiculous winning percentage. He was just in the college football playoff, but... If he loses to Michigan for the third straight year and he loses to an interim head coach, how much blowback could there be in Columbus?
2: There will be a lot of blowback from fans and, and understandably so because he will have, you know, inherited an Ohio State that was dominating Michigan and will have seen it flip the other way. That doesn't mean I think there's going to be a coaching change. I I don't think like you said. They're 11 and 0 this year. They played they nearly beat Georgia a year ago. There's there's nobody you can look at and be like, yeah, for sure we can go out and get somebody better. And let's not forget, Jim Harbaugh lost the first, I think, five, four or five games in this rivalry when he started. So, it's, you know, it's just, it's a changing of the guard a bit. Ohio State was used to two decades of domination. That has changed. Fans will be upset, and understandably so. If you're Ohio State, you're supposed to win the Big Ten. You're supposed to beat Michigan. And if you lose this one, you're probably not making the playoff like you did last year. So there will be a lot of upset fans if Ohio State loses this game, especially if Ryan Day loses to an interim head coach though I don't necessarily think that means the coaching change is coming.
1: I agree. And we know just how passionate and sometimes delusional fans and marquee programs like Ohio State can be. Let's move around the country. I thought the selection committee for the college football playoff did the right thing. And just to give you my background, I'm here in Southern California – I have my final year of employment at the Pac-12 Network underway, so I have emotional (laughs) investment in what's going on with our schools on the West Coast. I thought the committee got it right, moving Washington up to number 4 by virtue of their victory over Oregon State. At the same time, I'm taking nothing away from Florida State, still undefeated. What's your perspective on how they will hold things together now moving forward without Jordan Travis? That starts with the rivalry game at Florida, and then it's on to the ACC title game.
2: Yeah, Tate Rodemaker is going to take over there. He played a little bit last year as well, so he's not completely inexperienced. I still think if you're Florida State, if you beat Florida, who's five and six, if you beat Louisville in the ACC championship game, I can't see a reason they're not going to be in the playoff uh, undefeated because you're a, you know you deserve credit for what you've done and everything you did. But man, what a brutal injury to Jordan Travis! You hate that for a guy who has improved so much throughout his career. They're having this dream season, just devastating to see that injury but it's gonna it's gonna be on rodemaker now to make the more plays when you've got keon coleman and johnny wilson at receiver that certainly helps and so we'll have to just kind of see how he adjusts he's he's familiar with the offense he's familiar with these players as long as florida state wins i think they'll be okay
1: and we've never seen an undefeated power five champion left out of the playoff and i don't think necessarily the committee would want to start that precedent in the final year of the current format chris we know the sec is the undefeated heavyweight champion of college football and they run the sport effectively however and and i love following you on twitter as you run through scenarios let me give you this one oregon defeats uw or just washington wins out So we got a Pac-12 champion deserving of being in the top four. I agree with you. Florida State undefeated should be in. Let's say it's Michigan as the Big Ten champion. Texas wins the Big 12. What happens if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game? Could you see the SEC being left out?
2: That's the ultimate chaos scenario here because if Alabama beats Georgia and you think Alabama needs to be in, that should essentially guarantee that Texas should be in. If they are 12 and 1 and have a win at Alabama, that that would make for the toughest decision the committee has ever had to make. The committee really has not had any difficult decisions in the 10 years of doing this except for the first year when Ohio State with its third string quarterback won 59 to nothing. Leapfrogged Baylor and TCU to get into the playoff and ended up winning the national championship. Uh, that that is the what you lay out there is, is the nightmare scenario. Oregon and Washington will have beaten everybody they played as as, as well as each other. Alabama v Georgia. Georgia is the two-time defending champion. That you know that is going to be the situation that Florida State would would fear the most. That might be the one where you say, hey, look. If Florida State doesn't look good the last two games, you consider it. I still don't think it's going to happen. But, yeah, that's going to be a strange one, and that that's going to be a result if it happens that has everybody welcoming the 12-team playoff coming in next year.
1: Love those thermonuclear scenarios. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich, talking college football with Chris Vannini of The Athletic. Final thought on high-profile coaching openings because you're all over – the news-breaking aspect of college football as well. So Jimbo Fisher gets what? Three quarters of $100 million to go away. What are you hearing about Texas A&M and how about Michigan State? And I think we lost Chris. It was such a dramatic question. Okay, well, we'll thank him for his time. No need to get Chris back on the line. These things happen. Plus, we only have a handful of minutes left in the... Block heading to the final hour of the program. So we appreciate Chris Vanini of The Athletic taking the time to join us. Now, speaking of conspiracies and scenarios, I mentioned I was a massive wrestling fan in the early 1980s. I was going to ask Chris about the current state of professional wrestling. I was going to do it in 30 seconds. I was going to build the show around it. What if evil Vince McMahon, the character that he plays... Knew that was coming because, after all, Mr. McMahon knows everything and decided he was not going to let me pose a semi controversial question about the current state of the WWE and pulled the plug on Chris. Da, da, da. It's not a bad recovery by yours, truly. Or I could say, because we know that professional wrestling is scripted, better term is choreographed, what if I was handed a script? That did not include the swerve bro that Chris would disappear. All of these things come to mind on a holiday. Two-minute warning in Detroit, and it's all Green Bay. So far, 23-6, to six, a commanding lead in the context of the first half over the Lions. Now, we know the Lions. We just saw two weeks ago. Can score a ton of points as they had that wild game on the road in Southern California, edging the Chargers. We know the Lions are resilient. We just saw it on Sunday as somehow, some way, they came all the way back to beat the Bears. The question that I pose to start this program is, how much should we believe in the Lions' defense And small sample size so far on this holiday? This negative trend continues with a magnificent first half. Extended by Jordan Love. He completed eight of his first nine passes. Now it's a 12 of 15 for 175 passing yards. Two TDs. Other score in terms of the touchdown coming from the Packers defense. Forced to fumble. Took it back for the TD. They have added a field goal 23 to 6 with the Packers holding the football. An opportunity to get more prior to halftime. And if you're multitasking, you have the game on because the NFL wants these Thanksgiving games to feel bigger you got the long halftime so i don't have the list of the entertainers in front of me plus i'm so past my prime i don't know who these people are there's somebody on tiktok that probably are making 10 to 15 million dollars or a country act and that's just my own ignorance i'm not a huge fan as we learned in the Blues Brothers, of both music. We have country and western. But my point to you is, you have a longer break, so get the bird in the oven. Maybe get some steps in. Take us wherever you go, because coming up, we'll be getting ready for the final hour of the program. I have purposely held off on going in-depth on Dallas and Washington. That's the, the meat in the sandwich of Three games today. We already covered San Francisco and Seattle. I've been keeping you constantly updated as to what's going on in Detroit as the Packers are now creating, I think, more question marks about the Lions at this stage of the month of November. Now, there's still time to get things right. And we've also seen coaches with a firm grasp on what's going on within their facility being willing to make changes on their staff, and I'm not calling for firings in Detroit, but you saw Sean McDermott make Ken Dorsey the fall guy after one of the most inexplicable performances I've ever seen. And what do we make of the Bills? I'm going to do a better job of talking AFC. I've been very NFC-heavy so far. But when they lost that game to Denver, Ken Dorsey had a go, and then finally on Tuesday, Matt Canada was shown the door. Lions got to come alive in the second half. Got to Short things up on the defensive side of the football and we'll talk NFL coming up in the third and final hour of the program at two forty Eastern time when we say hello to Sam Munson of pro football focus you can still get involved pick up the phone 844-204-7424 hit me up on social media BW Weber Weber with two B's I'm Brian Weber in for Rich final hours straight ahead on the Rich Eisen show